And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Rachel Dempster. In 2011, she had a near-death experience where she ended up in a pit. And today we're going to learn about it. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Thank you. All right. So what happened in 2011? Let's start on the day that you had your experience. So um, for me, I was in a really dark place mentally. I was struggling with my sexuality and I was in a really toxic, abusive relationship while I was in college. And I had tried to leave the relationship for about a year and it just, it was very toxic, super abusive. And, um, I just was in a really bad place mentally. And the partner that I was with at the time and I had had an altercation and it brought up a lot of past trauma for me. Um, and when, when he said the things that he did to me and grabbed me the way that he did, it made me snap mentally. And so at the time I was on, um, anti-anxiety medication that was prescribed by a doctor and they weren't, he, the doctor was not monitoring my medication. So I could lie and go in and say, Hey, I'm out and I need more. I had been abusing my Xanax for about a year. Um, and my family didn't know, cause I was away at college. Like, how would they know? You know, they wouldn't know. Uh, and so I mentally just snapped and I just, I just took everything that I had gotten. So it was about a month and a half worth of, um, Xanax and one sitting. So I, if I remember correctly, it was close to 90 pills, which is insane to think of. Yes. So when this happened, um, I don't remember a lot after 30 minutes, I laid on my, my dorm room bed and I turned on Netflix at the time, which was, they came in DVDs. I don't know if you remember that you would rent them and then they would mail them to you. So I had just gotten the mail of DVDs from Netflix from movies. And I put it in my laptop and I just started watching the movie and I got over halfway through the credits and I completely blacked out. I remember people talking to me, but I had no vision. So I could hear people talking to me. And the last thing that I remember is the EMTs had grabbed me out of my dorm room and they put me on a stretcher. And I guess I was not being very nice to this female EMT and I was calling her names. And she said, you're really not going to like me if you don't take this charcoal and I'm going to have to shove a tube down your throat. And that's the last thing I remember. And then everything goes completely black. So I think humans, as we sleep, we can kind of remember what being asleep is like. It's a really deep, intense black. Um, We kind of remember that very subtly. It's kind of a calming essence. We know we're going to sleep. But when I had my near-death experience, it it, it was darker than that. I came out of this darkness and I was in the middle of a giant field. Um, the only way I can explain it is, you know, when you stand on the, on the corner of the ocean on the beach and you look out onto the horizon, there is that endless horizon. You don't see landmarks. You don't see, um, buildings. You don't see grass. It's endless. That's what this field was like, but times like 10, it was so massive. I can't really describe how big this space was in a proper setting, um, And in this field, everything was like 
it was really weird. It was like bright, beautiful technicolor. Everything was really neon and really beautiful. There was flowers in this field that ranged from colors from like red, pink, purple, blue, and then colors that I had never seen before that I don't know how to describe. There's colors that are in these places that you, you see and you don't have words to describe them because they don't exist here, if that makes sense. Um, as I'm standing looking around, there's a giant, like almost like a lake or pond in front of this tree. And the tree, the best way I could explain it without sounding hokey that people can kind of relate is the avatar tree. Like that tree that the avatar community lived in in that movie was massive, but there's really no way that you could ex- dis- explain it, describe it, because it's it's way more beautiful than that. It was really beautiful and extremely huge. And I remember just kind of looking around, being confused, like what's happening. But at the same time, I kind of had an understanding of what had happened. Like I also knew that, you know, I was in a place that I wasn't supposed to be. (laughs) It wasn't my time yet, I don't think. Um, And I kind of remember like asking, what is this? And then this, like, it's really weird. It's like a voice came out from everywhere. And I know this sounds cliche, but this is just my experience. Um, I had a voice that came out from every corner, every blade of grass that I had stepped on, the wind, everything. It sounded like a million voices in one. It didn't have a female voice. It didn't have a male voice. It just, it was, it was just a universal voice. I can't explain it. And it said, um, ask the questions you want to know and you shall receive the knowledge you are seeking, which I thought was kind of weird. I was like, okay. And my first question was because I had come out to my family that I was questioning my orientation that I may be gay and the backlash was I'm from the south so the backlash was pretty severe from some part of my family and they basically like disowned me and so I was like what does it take to be a good person because I didn't feel like I was a good person at the time like I felt like me being gay changed everything for everyone and so this voice said um it said, ask the questions you want to know and you shall receive the answers. So when I asked, what does it take to be a good person? I was instantly transported in this, in my body, in a, in a real life living situation. And it was really unique because when we've all been there, we've had bad days, right? We've, we've been in a bad mood and we've treated people poorly because we're mad because we're, pissed off because something happened to us in the morning our coffee didn't come out right or starbucks forgot to add something in our order and it puts us in a bad mood and i remember being in my body and being unhappy and just angry and i was treating people the way that i felt like unhappy mean uh rude without respect and i was transported As I'm communicating to this person in a manner that may not be the best, I was transported, my soul was transported into the other person's body, and I got to experience how I was communicating to them. And then I got to experience it from that person's happiness changing into sadness, and then that other experience into seven other people. And it's a domino effect. So the lesson that I learned was, when you're a good person 
and you're happy, it changes the dynamic for someone else during the day. And then I also got to experience that same type of situation, but in the opposite spectrum. So if I treated people with happiness and kindness and um, respect and just kind of not went over and beyond out of my way to be a good person, but just like make eye contact with people and just smile, you know what I mean? And then I got to experience how that changed that person's demeanor and everyone else they came in contact with. It was amazing. It was really cool. And it's hard to explain, but it was almost like I got to experience that type of interaction of the negativity and the positivity in the same, in the same instance. And the way that I'm describing it, it sounds like it's like going very slowly, but I really have to preface this, this, it was information that was relayed in a second. And it went by super, super quickly. And, but I gathered all the information instantaneously. So um, a lot of, for me, my near-death experience was a lot of telepathic information that was delivered to me instantaneously. And I absorbed the information, understood it, and changed my life instantaneously. So um, it sounds like things are happening very slowly, but in, in reality, when I had my near-death experience, it was like, it was the fastest information that has ever been relayed to me. And it was also the most in-depth way that I could ever experience something. It was, it was soul shattering to be quite honest, to, to feel how my interaction was shaping other people and how my conversations I was having was damaging them. I felt their pain. I felt their happiness. And I felt every single person's interaction with that person after me. So it really changed the way I speak to people because I was honestly a really unhappy, I want to say mean person before this happened. And then it's like I was jolted back into my body instantly. And it was like, it kind of like freaked me out a little bit. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And being like 21, 22 years old, like it's hard to like make a 21 or 22 year old kind of like freak out and have like an eye opening moment, you know? So for me, it was very unique. And then um, I just kind of like looked around and I was like, I thought in my head, well, my God, I wonder what happens if you're a bad person. And all hell broke loose, quite literally. Um, I remember this blackness coming up from my feet. And it just absorbed me from my feet all the way up to my head. And it took the breath out of me, honestly, because I remember trying to like open my mouth to say something and I couldn't say anything. And then this is where it gets really frightening. So I do want to let people know that this is like, this is a very unique, it's kind of dark and demented. But when I went into what the only place I can describe is the pit, um, I went to the pit and this is what really changed me to be quite honest. Like if that hadn't changed me, this was going to, um, I went to this place and it was just like the deepest, blackest hole essentially that I have ever been to. Um, I've been caving. There's caves all over Indiana and I had been caving and I remember them turning the lights off in a cave and being like, look how dark it is. Can you imagine like being a pilgrim or, and you're with a lantern trying to get through this. It was like that, but times like a million, it was the 
deepest, blackest space I've ever been in. And I'm naked. I'm completely naked. I have no clothing on. And I remember being in this pit and I look around me and there's hundreds of thousands of people in the space with me and they are all nude. And our skin color has been washed out. Like we're all the same shade of this like muted, foggy gray color. There's no differentiation. You can't tell if someone is Hispanic or white or black or Asian. You can't tell. You're all the same shade of gray. And you just hear people screaming nonstop. Like, it's just like, it's not screaming of like something's happening to me. Like I'm hurting. It's like chaos like if you're at like um a mall and the lights go out that moment of like children kind of like mom like that kind of fear and you could see each other you could look at each other but it's almost like you couldn't communicate you were looking through that person you weren't seeing them entirely like you were seeing a shell if that makes sense so you're walking around this space and you're completely nude and you're bumping into people but you're not really feeling them it's it's really frightening and i will never forget and i'm going to get upset about it so i'm sorry um i remember i'm in this pit and i remember this woman being next to me and her eyes were completely black like she had like a pupil And that was it. She had a little bit of white around her eye and she was just kind of like looking around in a circle like this, like she didn't know where she was. You could hear people crying, asking for their moms or their dads or their children or the just random names being yelled out. And I look down past this woman and I see a little boy, probably like four. And he was like crying, just asking for help. And I just remember being like, oh my God, where am I? This is terrible. And it felt like I was there for such a long, long time. Like it felt like years to be quite honest. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is terrible. Like, is this what it means to be a bad person? Like, I don't want to be here. Like, this is God awful. And you can hear people just like, just screaming and crying and it it doesn't feel like anything if anyone's ever been depressed like if anyone's ever had depression it's almost like what depression would be like as a place but like times 100 like it was god awful um you don't have any emotions there's no temperature you don't see any color it's just monochromatic all just horrendous and then the next thing i remember is i'm waking up And um, the blackness comes back and I'm out of that space. But I don't remember anything for a long time after that. And then I wake up in a hospital room and my mom is in the hospital room with me. And I was like, who are those people behind you? And she's like, there's no one with me. It's just me. And I was like, no, mom, there are people behind you. And there were black figures behind my mom in the doorway. And I remember like looking at them and I was like, mom, there are people behind you. Like, who is that Jonathan and my dad? And she was your brother and your father do not know where you're at. And I'm not telling them anything until you are home because this will greatly upset them. And I was like, okay, well then who is that? Like, I was trying to tell her there are people behind you and I could see them. And I think it kind of weirded her out a little bit because she was like, you know, she turned around and she was like, there's no one there. And to me, that was kind of like, like judge like shocking because I was like 
there are people behind you. And so after that, my mom and dad both decided that um, after talking to me, they realized that I was really sick. They're like, okay, you're, you are very ill. You need to go somewhere so you can get help because you are, you're addicted to medications and you're really depressed. Like, obviously we can see that now. Um, They hadn't seen me for a while. So it was kind of like, it changed their perspective of me greatly. So they both, my parents made a decision together to send me to a mental health facility. And when I went to this facility, I had to stay for 30 days because I was a suicide risk at that point. Um, So when I was at this facility, I remember um, I was really out of it too. Like I was really out of it. Um, I don't really remember a lot being there for my first like week. I don't remember anything. Um, uh, I had to do like a cavity search and all of that. Thank God. I don't remember that. Cause I think that would have been mortifying at 21, 22 years old. <laughs> so, um, I went to this, I went to this mental health facility in Indiana and I don't really, I slept a lot the first week I was there and this, my psychiatrist or therapist, whatever it is, came in and she's like, Hey, I really want to do like some one-on work with you. You haven't been like eating and you're not like getting out of your room. So we really need to start this process of you healing, or you're going to be here a lot longer than you want to be. And I was like, okay. So I get out of my room and it was the first time that I had really ever been to a mental health facility. Um, and it was something I never want to do again. Cause you just, it's, I don't know if anyone's ever been to something like that, but it's, you, it's, it's horrendous. Like the way that the people are there and you, it's just, it's frightening, especially for someone that's like semi-lucid. It's like, Oh my God, this, where am I type situation? So, um, my first sit down session that I had, my therapist was like, well, what do you want to talk about? And I, I asked her, I said, you know, how old am I? How old am I right now? And she was, what do you mean? How old are you? I was like, well, I'm a lot older now. Um, I'm, I'm a lot older. So um, I just want to know how long I was gone for. And she's like, gone, gone from where? And I started to relay the experience that I had. And I started communicating with her and she said, you need to stop. And she went into a, a filing cabinet, a standing filing cabinet. And she pulled this massive, massive manila envelope, like an accordion manila envelope up this full. And she slapped it down the table and she went to the very end and pulled out a notebook and a recording piece. And she turned the recording on and she said, "Um, do you give me authorization to record our conversation for further scientific explanations? I was like, sure, whatever you want to do. And um, we went through and I explained my entire um, situation with her from start to finish. And of course, there was probably a lot more detail because it was super fresh at the time. And she, it took about an hour and a half and she closed everything. And she said, I want you to know that you are not alone. This one manila envelope here and this entire filing cabinet behind me is full of near-death experiences that I have, have helped with from this specific facility, from people that have OD'd or died from drug overdose or suicide attempts. And I want you to know that you are not alone. And your experiences are all eerily exact or similar. 
So you're not by yourself. And for me, that's kind of like what kickstarted me to be like, oh my gosh, like there is, you know, there is something a little bit more after this like realm that we're in, but it's not what you are taught in Bible school. And it's not what you're taught in, you know, world religion, art history class. It's extremely beautiful and forgiving and loving. And it was the stepping stone for me to start to love myself as I am with my flaws and imperfections and my own orientation. So, um, and then after that, I had to go see her for about a year. I was seeing her for about a year. Um, and I was really frightened because I was seeing these shadow people everywhere. Like I would be in my room sleeping in my dorm room, um, after I had completed the therapy I needed to do. And I would see shadow people in the corner of my room watching me sleep, or I would be driving down the road and I would see one on the corner of a street or the one that scared me the most. And this, I'm, this is so true. I was shopping at like a Kohl's or something with a bunch of my friends. And I went into this clothing rack. We were going out to a movie and I was trying to find an outfit. And I remember I was going through this clothing rack and my friend had walked away for a minute to go look at something else. And I heard someone whisper my name, like right against my head. And it was the deepest, grumbliest voice I've ever heard. And when I turned around to see, maybe it was my friend playing a joke on me, this black mist washed over my entire body. And I felt the same type of dread that I did when I was in the pit. And it really like freaked me out. Like I had a full blown panic attack in this shopping center I crumpled into a ball and went into a full blown fetal position. And my poor friends like had to scoop me up out of this place and take me out. And they knew that if something like this happened, that they were to call my therapist. And so they called her and she drove an hour and a half away to come to my college to come talk to me. And she said that this is normal with near death experiences. Like these shadow people that you see, they latch onto you and they follow you for a long time. And you just have to learn to realize that you're safe and you're alive and you're healthy and you're okay. And they can't get you. They, they can scare you, but they can't get you. And my near death experience was literally almost 10 years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago. Um, and I still see them. I still see them. Every day I see them in my home. I see them in my dreams. I have nightmares about them still. And sometimes they relay information to me of like, I want this message to be sent to so-and-so, but I would definitely say that the pit has changed me long-term for the rest of my life. And there are things that I know about that I shouldn't know about with other people and other dimensions that are part of this world that we just don't understand just yet. But one day the universe, the universal death experience will humble us all. And we will all be part of that universal experience together. But I hope it's within everyone's right time of going, not something that you have to be forced to experience. Mm -hmm. So that's it. So when you first crossed over and you were in that field what kind of emotions were you having? Were you feeling like the overwhelming love and, and undescribable love that a lot of people feel? Or were you just kind of more kind of confused or just kind of content? Like, okay, where am I? So when I first got into to the field, I didn't feel anything. I was really confused. But after I got that life lesson of what it means to like love someone for being in this experience with us, this universal experience we call life, I got to experience the most 
unforgiving, most fullness love that I could ever explain. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I'm in love with this person because I want to be with them romantically or sexually. It was just a universal love that I felt that was a lot deeper than anything I've ever known before. It was almost like, um, it was almost like when you get to see that best friend that you haven't seen in like five or six years and you just get that little bubbly, good feeling inside, but more like, more like, um, a social interconnection of souls. So I felt that after I gained my first life lesson of what it means to be a good person, I felt that afterwards, but in the beginning, no, I was really confused and I was just taking in my surroundings pretty much. When you were experiencing how you treated people and how they reacted to you treating them, were those actual things that had happened in your life before, or are they like examples that you were given? No. So, um, perfect example. I had like maybe like a month ago before that, I was really struggling with um, myself and who I was and what I wanted in my life. And I remember I had a girl in my class and um, I wasn't very nice to her. Um, I was really nice to her face. And then I would turn around and not say nice things either about her or, you know, I would I would take advantage of her in certain situations. And I remember I, we had got, I, she had asked me a question and I had snapped at her. And I remember that conversation pretty directly. And it was actually the girl that I had had in class. I had snapped at her and I got to experience how that made her feel. And then I also got to experience how it affected the loved ones around her and how she in turn treated them. So it really was eye-opening for me because, you know, I was not a nice person and I wasn't the best human being that I could have been at that time. And that life lesson for me was mostly like, stop being a snot (laughs) and treat people better because your human interaction and how you treat other people around you is the only thing that you have in this world. Your cars, your money, your house, that all is itemized things that can go away in an instant, but your soul and how you choose to treat other people and how you interact with other people. And then turn, they interact with everyone else around them is the only thing we have on this planet that connects us together. And I think right now we're kind of seeing that in the world, like, you know, like, with the pandemic and everything else, you know, people just we may, not be, may not be treating each other the best. And therefore it creates this vicious cycle of like hatred and fear and bigotism and everything else. So it's, I'm getting to see the life lesson come full swing in my lifetime, which is kind of frightening. Like, um, but it is human nature for us to want to have the best, biggest, biggest and best things in life. And um, if we can't have that, then what is there to life besides just being a good person? And that's hard to explain. And most people just kind of go, oh, okay, you're a hippie. But honestly, the, the only thing that we have in life that's going to connect us all together is being a good person and treating people the way that we want to be treated and loving each other, because that's what changes the world 100%. It's almost like you had a mini life review in, in a way. Yes, very much so. Like I've, I've heard and read other near-death experiences where you kind of get like this like staircase to heaven type situation and like they like show you everything that you've done in your life but I think because I was so young and I didn't have a lot of life experience because I was just starting out 
I think for them, they were like, you know, you're whatever the, whatever the life force was that was giving me my lesson. <laughs> Cause all my grandparents and everything were still alive. I didn't see any loved ones. I didn't get that like greeting from anyone. Like, you know, I didn't see my grandfather or my grandmother come to pick me up and take me somewhere better because they were all still alive. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, whatever like little teacher I had up there was like, okay, like you're being, you are on the path to become a, a bitter and angry, vengeful person because of how people have treated you and therefore it's made you jaded and hurtful. We're going to fix that. We're going to show you like how these people have treated you is making you treat these people on the same level, but we're going to bring you above your raising and teach you that if you treat people better, good things are going to happen for you in the long run because you're making the world a better place. You're going to live a better life being happy instead of being vengeful and just pissy all the time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. One thing that came to my mind when you were talking about being angry was that a lot of times when somebody's angry at you or you know, kind of being mean to you or whatever, it's really not about you. They're already angry at something else. You just happen to be yes. there at the wrong time. Yes. Yes. Um, so kind of to take a big step back. Mm-hmm. Um, my father and I did not have a good relationship when I was growing up. And I think he really saw a lot of my mom and me. Um, I look just like my mom and my mom and I have the same laugh and everything. Like I am peeled off her ass essentially. <laughs> and like another one of her came out in the world. And I think my dad was really angry with my mom because she wanted a divorce and he didn't. And, um, my dad, when I was growing up was not the nicest person. He just, he has a lot of anger and he didn't know how to talk to children essentially. So I grew up with him just being really domineering and intimidating. And I was always really fearful of him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of my anxiety came out in my life was that I, if I'm, if, if I'm in a situation where I don't feel safe, like my anxiety comes out and I think it kind of stems back to my childhood of not feeling safe a lot of times. And then both of my parents had cancer when I was in high school. My mom went through treatment for like two years. And then six months after that, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. They both lived. And then I was sexually assaulted by two guy friends, like all back to back. It was literally like childhood trauma up until I went to high school. And then my mom had cancer. My dad had cancer. I was raped. And then I was just kind of shoved off to college. Like have fun, you know, like live your life. And I think I had so much anger in myself because there had been things that had happened that I hadn't processed. Like, and then, you know, like it just, it just really damaged my soul is a really good way to think about it. And then when I had the experience, I think this life lesson was for me to wake up and realize like what has happened to you doesn't mean you have to be a mad, angry person. You can be better. You can choose that. Like you can choose to let the emotions overtake you and damage you, or you can be a better person. And I really am thankful for the experience that I had because if I had kept going on the road that I was, I honestly don't think I would be here. So it was a wake up call for me in a sense, like you can keep going and having fun and going to parties and, 
you know, doing the things that you're doing and experimenting with things. So you don't have to feel the emotions that you're feeling, or you can be better and grow up essentially like outgrow your trauma. And I think to a certain extent, like I have done that, but you know, nothing is a hundred percent healed. Nothing ever heals a hundred percent like mental health wise. Like you're always going to have something that bothers you, or you're always going to have like a trigger that brings you back to that place. And so for me, having these talks out in the open and sharing my experience with other people, as long as it helps one other person be a better, be a better human and not have to experience what I did that's like so earth shattering for me to help other people just, just changing the world one conversation at a time. That's the best thing I can do. Mm -hmm. And now I'm reaching so many people in such a small window of time. Like that's, if that's what it takes, like I'll do it. (laughs) Once you kind of got your life sorted out and you were better, did you have an immediate change in your life? Did you become this you know, much nicer person towards people? So honestly, like my therapist was, and I won't say her name just because I don't want to violate any of her confidentiality with me. Um, My therapist that I had was a godsend, honestly. Um, I really struggled for a long time. Like I was not okay because if you remember me saying like, I asked her how old I was. When I came out of this whole situation, I felt significantly aged. Like I went back to class and I tried to relate with a lot of my classmates and I couldn't, I couldn't talk to them about certain things anymore. Like the days of, I want to go see a movie tonight. You want to go, you want to go to a party with us tonight? Mm -hmm. Those days for me were, I couldn't relate to that anymore. Like, because what I had experienced had changed my soul so much. I felt so much older. There were things that I wanted to do that I thought were fun that my friends at like 19, 20, 21 were like, you want to do what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I think to a certain extent, I, it changed me rapidly, but it also was a ongoing life lesson that I had to learn. And my therapist and my mental health advocate really helped me with that significantly because you know I was really I would come in and out of waves of depression because I felt older than I did and my soul felt tired like I was like because I felt like I was 70 I really did like I was so tired all the time and I felt like I felt like there were things that I wanted to experience and there were places that I wanted to go because I realized how short life is, if that makes sense. And my friends were, they, I just had a hard time relating to them. So for me, yes, it took me a long time to get better. I think it took me like three years to kind of like kilter myself back out a little bit because I remember one time I went to the movies with um a girlfriend that I had and the lights went out in this movie theater and I was in this black room with like 30 people and they all started yelling and saying what's going on where am I what's happening and it like instantly like oh shit like it instantly made me panic and it instantly made me think of the pit and it instantly made me think like I had just died you know what I mean and I think for a long time like even still now, sometimes like things will happen and it will like jar me into a moment of like, oh my gosh, am I okay? 
or, you know, something will happen in a movie. What was that movie? There was a movie that just came out not too long ago. And it was about, oh, it was the, the, the movie about the med students. And the med students would shock themselves to die. And then they would come back and talk about their death experience. Mm. That movie, I went and saw it with my wife now. I've been happily married for like almost eight years. So for me, that movie really freaked me out. I was like, oh my gosh, like it's crazy because some of the things that happened in that movie is the black shadow figures coming in to come grab the med students because they were gone for so long back into the other side. Like my wife was like, is that how that really happens? I was like, yes, it's exactly like that to a T. And there have been some things on like Netflix and Hulu and like movies that I can't really watch for too long because it just it's too close. It's too similar to what I had experienced. Like someone, they really went through and like did a lot of research or talked to a lot of people because it's spot on. So I was like, okay. So yes and no, there are things that make me okay. And there are things that I still can't do almost 10 years later. (laughs) After your experience, did you notice that you had any abilities that you didn't have before? Because some people will have like precognition or other things. So for me, like, I don't want to say that I had a little bit of an inclination into like being an empath. I think, I think for me, like me being able to read a room was a survival mechanism because of my dad, you know, like I had to read within five seconds if he was going to be in a bad mood and I didn't need to talk to him and I needed to keep my head down and not make eye contact with him or, okay, dad's in a good mood. Like we can go play outside. You know what I mean? So for me, I think. I always had the inclination of being able to be an empath with people and being able to read them very easily because that was my survival mechanism growing up. But I think as after the, after the near death experience that that amplified pretty well, like I can actually like read people's emotions significantly now, like people that I've never met. So if I go like working in retail and talking to people, I can actually read their emotions as they're talking to me. And I can, I can know if they're actually secretly perturbed or not i would say the only thing that really amplified was being able to see the shadow people and that's something that still happens now and apparently from my therapist that sometimes never goes away i just have to learn how to live with it i've had a few people that have gone to a place that they would kind of describe hell like or possibly being hell and most of them got out of it by asking jesus to help them or asking god to help them i think you just naturally popped out of it um, for me, it, so I, I wasn't a spiritual per, I wasn't religious or anything. I was mostly, and I wasn't really spiritual. I like, I think I was just kind of jaded and perturbed at the world, you know? So for me, the experience that I had, I think I was really showcased, like there is something that's better than us and it's a lot greater than we could ever imagine, but I also think that what we are taught in like Bible school and, you know, um, Catholicism and things of that nature, Judaism, Buddhism, all of that, it, it's not what is, it's not anything like what you can learn or read in a book. It's, it's something that when it's your time, obviously it is the most beautiful place that you can never imagine. And the, the, the lessons that you learn and the teachings that you learn from this place are stunning. 
But for myself, I never saw any religious figure. I never saw Jesus or Gandhi, Buddha, any of that. I never saw that. It was just, it was, I saw nature and I saw trees and I saw flowers and I heard other voices combined in a universal way to, to, to delay these messages to me, relay these messages to me. So I think for me, it wasn't like, I didn't ask anyone to let me out. I didn't ask for help to get out of that pit. I think this experience for me was mostly like, you know, whatever you want to call it, like God, or, you know, the all knower or whatever you want to call it. I think this entity was like, she's got to figure it out on her own. Like she's not going to ask for help. She's never asked for help her whole life. She's done it on her own. So what's going to change in the afterlife that she's going to be like, let me out of here. No, I never asked to be let out. It was more of like, I remember being like, wow, this sucks. I don't want to be a bad person. And I, I got out. So I think I needed to learn the lesson that I needed to learn. And then I was able to go free so to speak. <laughs> Two things. When you heard the voice talking to you in the beginning, did it almost feel like you even felt the voice? Like it was just yes. feeling it through your body? And two, yes. Okay. And then who do you think that voice was? So I don't think the voice was just one particular thing because the voice sounded like male, female, child, adult, white, black, everything. It sounded like a million voices all combined in one sense to deliver this one message, like a universal coming almost. It was very, it's so hard to explain, but the way that the voice talked resonated through everything. Like I could feel it coming from the back of my head down into the rest of my body and out through my toes. And it was very unique. It was like, I can't explain it, but it was, it kind of gives me goosebumps to think about it now because like it kind of reenacts that um, the best way I can explain it is like if you're at a concert and you're standing too close to the speaker, you feel that vibration, but imagine that vibration through the entireness of your body, but it's not a vibration. It's almost like everything in your senses is awakened simultaneously as it scrolls through the rest of your body. It's very hard to explain, but it's, it was, it was very unique. And I think that's one of the things that still, like, I can still kind of think of and imagine it. Like I can still kind of see like glimpses of what this field looked like. And it was, and it was everything going on. It was, it was wild. <laughs> I think that some of my guests said that, that they connected with God and they kind of had this realization that God is everything. So mm -hmm. is it possible that you, it sounds like you're describing everything all combined mm -hmm. speaking to you? Yes. So everything was relaying a message to me, but I think for me, me personally, the God that I was taught in Bible school and the God that I was taught in the South and what I witnessed are two totally different things. So for me, I don't want to, if, if, if it makes it easier for someone to say, oh, she saw God, then, then yes, for them, for their moment, for their way to understand what I'm processing. Yes, I did see God for them. But for me, the God or the being that I saw was nothing that, or felt was nothing that I had ever been ex taught or experienced in Bible school. So for me, this, this being is much 
more loving than I had ever been taught in Bible school. You know, like the brimstone and fire God, that's like, you're going to love me or you're going to go to hell is not what I experienced at all. And it wasn't an entity. I never saw a man. I never saw a woman. I never saw a race. It was a voice, but the voice was a million voices at one. It was like a collective consciousness coming awake and saying, Hey, like you have a lesson you have to learn. (laughs) This lesson's going to be hard, but it's going to change you for the better. And you're going to be a better person. And I think ultimately that's what like heaven is, it should be a way for you to experience the life lessons that you need or like heaven, so to speak of. So it's kind of unique and hard to explain. And I think people have to kind of wrap their head around it in a religious aspect to be able to understand it until your time is ready. So I do think that people have to kind of like, oh, that's God. If that's what you need to understand what I'm saying, then yes, for you, that is God. But for other people that have had near-death experiences, it's very unique. And who is that little fur baby behind you? <laughs> it's my dog. She's checking on me. She's like, what are you doing? You've been gone for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> She's cute. So I found you on TikTok. And, yeah. and so while I'm on that subject, if people are into TikTok, what is your TikTok? I guess you call it a channel or, or account called? Yeah. So my uh, TikTok handle is Ray Ray Dimp, R-A-Y-R-A-Y-D-E-M-P. So you can follow me on there. And I have some like, people have asked questions about like what the pit was like. And I go into more in depth about that. So you can go on and watch my individual videos and just see like what I do and uh, my cats and my fur babies and all that fun stuff. So you can see it. TikTok, in my opinion, is predominantly a younger crowd that comes and watches the content although there are a lot of people my age there too but why do you think younger people are so attracted to your nde story i think because to them you know it's scary it's frightening death is death is a universal experience that everyone has to go through some of it is painful some of it is peaceful but i think to to the younger generation like there's no video on it there's no virtual reality that they can watch there's no amusement parks that they can go through and put a 25 cents in a slot machine and watch a video on death. Like there's nothing like that. So for them to have someone that's so close to their age group talking about it from an experience, like it makes it real to them, you know, because if you think about it, the majority of the TikTok kids that are on this app are anywhere between 16 and 25. And around the age that I had my near death experience, I was 21, 22. So I think for them seeing someone explaining a near-death experience that's at the same age as them at that time, it makes it real for them. Like, oh, wow, like there's something more to this than the afterlife. There's something more to this than just, you know, we die, it's the end. You know, there's more, there's something out there that we don't know that we can't explain that there's no, there's no guarantees. You know what I mean? There's no guarantees that everyone's going to have the exact same experience. And there's no guarantees that everyone is going to go at one time or another, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think for them, like their interest with my videos kinds of, it kind of makes it like solidified, like, Oh, she's young. She didn't have a heart attack or something. Like she had she have an, of an overdose, you know, like that can happen to me. It kind of, I did get one message from a young man and I won't say his name. Um, he was experimenting with drugs and he was depressed and he was gay and he, he went and got help because of my videos. 
So Mm -hmm. I, as long as I can help one person change their course of life, then that's, that's what the lesson is all about is Mm -hmm. helping everyone, helping everyone, regardless of their orientation, their color, their race, their gender, their skincare, their age. It, it, as long as I can help this small amount of window of people that I am fulfilling the life lesson that I was supposed to learn. And that's being a better person and helping people. Now, Rachel mentioned this to me before we started, and she's not here to promote anything, but I just want to help her and talk about it. She sells stickers. And I think after she posted it on TikTok, like a thousand people ordered her stickers. Are you you selling (laughs) NDE stickers or what? I could totally make one. I could totally make one. That would be cool. Like I would, that would be a unique thing to make. That would be definitely a unique thing to make. I could do that. <laughs> okay. See, I didn't even know what, what your stickers were. So that's interesting that, that you have. They're like sassy barnyard friends. So I have like a possum sticker that's about anxiety. And then I, they're funny little witty stickers that people can put on drinks and stuff, but I have some other ones that I want to make in the future. So that could be, definitely be a possibility. <laughs> All right. If someone wants to check those out, where do they find them? You can actually go to my TikTok, and I have a shop in my bio. So you can check it out. Oh, cool. I didn't know they did that. They sure do. Yeah. TikTok is kind of like the new business platform. So if you have, if you sell candles or crochets, scarves, whatever, you can put your bio on there for whatever headline you want and people can go on there and support your business, which is really cool. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you. If you're open to that, what's the best way to reach to reach you on TikTok or Facebook or, or what? TikTok, hundred percent. TikTok is you can watch all of my videos that are on there, and you can scroll through and see anything that we've got. You can watch all my videos and and kind of pick and choose what you want to learn and what you don't want to learn. And then the cool thing about it is that the sound that I originally used is in the bottom right hand corner, so you can click on the sound from the actual creator that started the near death experience thread, and you can watch hundreds of thousands of videos from other people about near-death experiences as well. Wow. I didn't know that there were that many people on TikTok sharing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they range from ages from like 16 to 75. So you can see all kinds of really cool stuff on there. You just have to kind of dig through it a little bit. It's kind of tumultuous at first, but then it really picks up. All right. Well, before we finish up here, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everyone? Yes, I do. Um, The best thing that I can share to anyone is is to love yourself the way that you are and don't try to change or hide who you are for anyone else because the life lessons that you will learn to your fullest extent as you are who you are are undescribable and beautiful. And you'll learn a lot more if you be your true authentic self than try to conform to what other people expect of you. Well, that's a great message. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing yourself with us today. I really yeah, thank appreciate you. you. I wish you massive success with TikTok and stickers and anything else that you're into. Well, thank you so much. And I can't wait to see this up. And I really hope that it reaches the right audience and helps a lot of people. That's the most important thing in life. Well, it should be up in about two days. Sounds great. I'll yeah. be looking out for it. All right. Well, have a great rest of your weekend. I will thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast.
I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.